What is going on, everybody? We are back for episode seven of the It's Game podcast. We have another great show for you planned. With me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great today. Another Wednesday recording. We're keeping up with it. I mean, I just finished doing another recording this past Sunday for my other podcast, and now it's turning over and doing this one. So I'm feeling pretty good. You want to give that podcast a little uh, shout out while we have have a chance? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's the Room 423 podcast in which, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram at all, you uh, probably have seen me uh, promote it on my stories and stuff like that. But yeah, if you, it's on it's on the same types of uh, podcast sites as it's game time. So if you want that one's a more relaxed one. We talk about random shit. I mean, random stuff will come up. Very random stuff. Jed's been on it also, so there's another reason to go and listen to it. It's a great podcast. It's a must listen for sure, especially when I'm on. But Eric and <laughs> Josh, who's been on this show as well, they do a great job along with when Maggie's on as well. So it's definitely a must listen. But in regards to this podcast, we've been doing very well with all the guests we've had on the show in the past. And we figured why not bring on another guest and maybe raise the bar a little bit more. (laughs) So with us today is my teammate on the University of Tampa JV baseball team. We have Tommy Fink. Tommy, how you doing? What's up, guys? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Excited to be on the show with both of you guys. Hope it's going to be a great one. Next time, let's not specify a JV baseball <laughs> Just say baseball well, team. Baseball. I, I usually do say baseball team, but I don't know. I figured I'd be a little bit more specific just so, you know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get a bunch of questions afterwards. But you want to give a, a little bit more background on yourself, Tommy? Uh, Yeah. 20 years old. Pitcher on, on the baseball team. You know, back end of the bullpen guy. Just a real big Phillies fan, big Colts fan, new 76ers fan, just trying to get into basketball. <laughs> this podcast inspired me. But uh, I think it's going to be a great one. Like seeing LeBron get knocked out of the playoffs early. Uh, should be fun to watch. Jet, we I need to get that. Jet, I we need it. to get more LeBron supporters here. I, I don't know what Josh would be considered, but um, I know Aaron and now to- uh, Tommy, uh, they're, they're against me. I mean, they're... Well, it needs to be an evil, even battle here. Well, I, I see you're finally catching on. I mean, I've, the guests I keep on planning on having <laughs> are against LeBron, so I plan to keep doing that until I'm stopped. So I'm all, I'm all for the LeBron heat. Yeah, but uh, Tommy, th- thanks again for uh, coming on and uh, discussing some of the topics that we'll be talking about today, in which, I mean, we're going to be talking about the Nets a little bit. We're going to be talking about the new MLB mandates a little bit. We're going to go and ask Tommy some uh, questions about the Phillies and about the Colts. And then also, we're going to have the trivia show happen again, in which hopefully I can get a dub under my belt finally and break this losing streak that I've, I've been having these past few guest appearances. Unlikely, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in which, so, as always, Jet, do you want to... Tell the audience some of the responses we got on Instagram. So this week, I, I saved the polls, guys. So yes. I have all the responses. There you go. So the the <laughs> first question I asked everybody is, which is the best wide receiver combo in the NFL right now? And the options were Julio and A.J. Brown, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, or Odell and Jarvis Landry. So the top choice was Julio and A.J. Brown. Do you guys both agree with that? I definitely do. Tommy? 
Uh, I agree with that. I don't even think Odell and Landry should have been a response possible for that one, but I guess. Did you? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm blanking right now. Did you say Thielen, was Thielen and Jefferson on there? Thielen and Jefferson were not on there. I don't think they deserve to be. I know wow. you're very high on that combo, but I, I'm not. So. Oh, wow. Okay. think they deserve to be over uh, OBJ and uh, Landry. Yeah, I mean, I, Jefferson is still young, but I think OBJ and Landry have proven they, they're they good one-two punch. only thing OBJ has proven is that he's injury prone. Yeah, I have to agree with that. That's very true. But our next question we asked was, which NBA playoff series has been the most exciting? As you guys may remember, last uh, episode, Eric had said the Knicks-Hawks was the most exciting. I had said that the Lakers Suns was the most exciting because LeBron lost. And our guest Aaron had said that the most exciting series was the Mavericks Clippers. The Lakers Suns won this poll probably because there's a lot, a lot of LeBron haters on this Instagram page. So I, I get why that one. Uh, Tommy, what would Tommy, have you watched a lot of NBA playoffs? Uh, I've watched, I've watched a few games here and there on vacation last week. I watched, watched quite a few games, but, I don't think I necessarily have a take on what was the most exciting to watch just because you're I just, haven't seen basketball previous. You're just trying year. to watch the Sixers. Yeah. I just want to point this out really quickly. I, I love Tommy, but a few weeks ago I asked him who the number one seed in the West was, and he was not able to give me an answer. <laughs> so, Yeah, well, I'm focused on the East anyways because that's who we got to get through first. So Sixers for life. And I'll, I'll get to <laughs> one more question before we introduce a, a new segment for the show, probably what we'll most likely have our guests. But the last question, who should start for the Patriots week one, Mac Jones or Cam Newton? Eight of 11 people said Cam Newton. Tommy, do you agree with that? I would say Cam Newton just because I don't see the Patriots in a win-now mode. So sending Mac Mac Jones out there, you know, first snap is just probably not ideal for that team right now. Yeah, I have to completely agree with that. I, I definitely think Cam Newton should start off the season and if he's successful keep with them if uh he struggles by like thanksgiving break put mac jones in there and see what you have with him i don't know if you guys saw this but there was a clip that was circulating around social media of cam newton and mac jones throwing a mini camp and it looked like every pass that cam newton attempted was nowhere near his receiver and while mac jones completed most of the passes that he threw to his receivers his mechanics looked awful (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) I mean, Tua had a pretty rough uh, day yesterday. Jet. Oh no, no, no! Don't five no, interceptions. On, on. I just want to bring this up. I saw this today on Twitter that in Patrick Mahomes's season before he won MVP, he also had the same situation where he threw five interceptions oh in a mini no. camp, uh, no, seven on seven, eleven on eleven scrimmage. However, the difference between <laughs> Mahomes' minicamp in, in a scrimmage and Tua's is that it was basically a hurricane in Miami during Tua. Oh. Uh, so let's get on to the next segment, in which is a new segment that we're calling Story Time, in which Jet texted me and said he has a little bit of a story to tell between him and Tommy. So, uh, Jet, let's hear that what that story is. Yeah, so I felt like this was a good idea to bring this into our show just to give a little bit more about our personal lives and what we do away from the podcast. And I wanted to bring this story up because it, it relates to Tommy because it happened during this past baseball season. So to start the story, um, I had a roommate 
uh, this past semester. I'm not going to name names. You know, it's disrespectful to him and you know, his family that may be listening. But I had been instructed to wake him up for a baseball game that we had to be at on a Saturday morning. And, you know, like a lot of college kids, you know, you go out the night before, you know, partying, drinking. But, you know, we're, we're baseball players. We got to be ready for the game the next day. And he obviously was not ready and he would not wake up. So he caused me and him to be late for the game and our head coach would not <laughs> let us on the field which i thought i would be allowed on the field just because you know i've never been late for any practice or game and this kid has a reputation of not always um what's a good way to put it um being all there when it comes to being on the baseball field is, is a nice way to put it i guess but the the part where i can bring tommy into this is I was so upset that day that I started pacing around the field because <laughs> I was so angry I couldn't be on the field. So when I was walking around the outfield, I saw Tommy shagging balls during BP before our game, and I looked over at Tommy, and then all of a sudden I see him just, like, wave to me, and then I totally looked away uh, right away. Uh, what was your uh, angle of that, Tommy? <laughs> uh, yeah, from my point of view, just painting the picture here, I was I was on the field on time where I was supposed to be. <laughs> and uh so i'm shagging balls and i i see jet just walking in a parking lot looking through the windscreen and i'm like what is this guy doing he i mean he needs some friends so i gave him that five finger wave and he he proceeded to turn around and speed walk away like he didn't even see the wave so uh i i wasn't too sure what i was thinking at that moment but it proceeded to be a good day for tampa maybe not for jet and his roommate but we had a good day, winning two out of two out of two games. So, well, I, I will point out that that I did stay for it was a double header, and I did stay for both games. I was sitting behind the turtle right outside the stadium. I didn't have to do that, but I felt that I needed to be there in some in some fashion, even though I wasn't on the field. But to this day, I have still not heard the end of it from Tommy, and I probably will never hear the end of it because it has broken my perfect attendance record for games and practices. So. Well, well, to give Jet a pat on the back here is as one of the best teammates going off what he just said of, of sitting out there watching the games, being supportive. One of our weekend games, I was on the travel list, and Jet just happened to not be on the travel list that day. And I set my alarm two hours before we were supposed to leave for the bus. I wake up and immediately fall back asleep. And uh, I wake up 30 minutes after the bus coaches or a text from all my coaches and teammates uh, and I just called Jet and like yo can you take me to this game I'm late I really messed up it's like an hour away and without hesitation Jet Jet says yes he takes me to the game so that's definitely just a little little look into how Jet is as a person a great great guy I, I appreciate it Tommy I, w- I would do that again if I if I had to and I, I know you would do the, the same for me so absolutely that that's absolutely. a little bit of, about our life on the baseball field and hopefully it will bring more stories. Eric and I will have more stories to share as we get more guests on and share more about our personal lives. That was a great story. I mean, I've, I've heard that story yeah, and I, and it makes me laugh every single time just, just because <laughs> of the circumstance and how you kind of got fucked over by no cause of your own. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> hopefully my unnamed ex-roommate is not listening well i don't actually i don't care if he's listening because he knows he's in the wrong but anyways that's besides the point but uh that was a great story great way to start off this uh new segment in which now we're gonna go back to a regular segment in which it is the question of 
the day. And today's question is, will the Nets advance even with James Harden still kind of injured and Kyrie out for probably the rest of this series? Do you think, Jet and Tommy, that the Nets will advance past the Bucks to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start us off here. I... I watched the game last night and I was, you know, texting with Eric back yes. and forth about, you know, what's going on in the game. And at one point I did turn off the game after the Bucks had a pretty decent lead. I think it was towards the end of the second quarter for halftime. And then um, as soon as I sent that text, the Nets totally reversed the <laughs> course during that game and KD came to life. And, you know, it, it was upsetting because, you know, I had this whole argument planned of why I think the, the Nets are not going to advance, and I still believe that the Bucks are going to advance. Oh, I will man. say a while ago that the Bucks were my bold prediction to make it to the finals, and I'm still holding by that. I just wasn't able to pick them because <laughs> they were going against the Heat in the first <laughs> round. But anyways, so James Harden, like you said, will never be back at full strength. No Kyrie, obviously. They have no pure ball handler besides Kyrie. What? I, I no like point point guard ball handler. I know. KD is a point play, guard, man. A positionalist <laughs> game of basketball today. KD's a point guard. He's a seven po- foot point guard. I don't consider him a point guard, but their backup point guard is Mike James. And I think without the Nets having a pure ball handler, without Kyrie, is going to affect them in the long run. Giannis needs to guard Kevin Durant. I don't know why he didn't towards the end of that game. He can't. I don't know what he he's can't. afraid of. Because he can't. He definitely could. No one can I mean, guard think, Katie. No, he dropped forty nine last night. Because of who was on him? Like Chris Middleton. Doesn't or matter. Like, I don't even know. Doesn't matter. They threw everything at him. All they had to do last night was stop Kevin Durant, and they could not do that. James Harden was awful. He was playing essentially with one leg, and they still couldn't win against the Nets with just Katie. He played every single minute. You couldn't stop him in the last five. Do you, it, it's like a 9,000-calorie burn to play an entire NBA game, and you couldn't stop him in the last five minutes? They're not going to beat the Nets. They're absolutely not. That right there, that was the biggest game of the series right there because we're recording this on Wednesday. They play on Thursday, so it may be over before anyone even listens to this, and I'm guessing it's going to be over before anybody listens to this. Before I expand on my argument, Tommy, where do you side on this debate? I'm going to have to take Eric's side of this debate. I Last night I was at work when the game happened. I was kind of a box score watcher. But I did see that KD dropped just on points. And I think I'm a firm believer that you, you definitely can't have too many mouths to feed. And I think that players down for the Brooklyn Nets might honestly just be a good thing, a blessing in disguise for that team. One thing I will say is I think this might be an outlier game for Kevin Durant in the oh, playoffs my. because he has had a history of playing with guys like Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, who have basically carried him towards a ring, as well as back when the Thunder played the Heat in the finals. He, they Obviously, the Thunder didn't win that series, but KD has never been able, has never shown the ability to carry a team all by himself to the promised land. So while he very may well be able to do it, I still think the Bucks are going to figure out a way to stop no. KD, even though he looks unstoppable right now. No, no, because you know what? Harden is going to play. You know, you know what? They can sit Harden for game six, 
and rely on KD winning another game because of how demoralized the Bucks are now in game six. And then rest them for game six, and then they can bring them back for game seven. And Kyrie may, probably not, may be back for game seven if needed, but I don't think it's going to be needed. And I think KD has a better supporting cast than Giannis does. I think he does. Here's the thing. All right, I'll go over there, the supporting cast. There's Drew Holiday. I personally would choose Joe Harris over him. I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I prefer Blake Griffin over Brooke Lopez. Hey, I just know that if I needed Griffin to empty the tank in a game seven and go like the old school Lob City version of himself. This is, this is old man Blake Griffin. He, he's he, he has stuff in the tank. Anymore. He has like, stuff in the tank left. He can yam it on Giannis like he did back in game four. He can do that. Or game three. I'm not sure. I'm also taking old man Jeff Green over old sneakerhead grandpa PJ Tucker. Jeff Green was a dead eye shooter last night. And I know that if KD gets attracted by gets all the attention like he was last night, Jeff Green's going to end up with 15 to 20 points. And the only player the Bucks might have an edge is with Chris Middleton, but that's nowhere close enough for the Bucks to move into move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. All I will say is that LeBron cannot put up the numbers that KD is putting up anymore no, no. in his career. Just want to point that up about uh, LeBron. But Tommy, I have a question for you. Being a, a I guess, a part-time Sixers fan, I guess we could put it as. <laughs> uh, I, I would call it a, a newly found Sixers New, fan. Okay. I was a free agent fan for this. Okay, <laughs> so if the Sixers end up winning the series against the Hawks right now, they're tied. Which of the team? Which of these teams would you rather play, the Bucks or the Nets? I personally would rather play the Bucks. I have to be honest with you. Yeah, I get that. I mean, obviously, the Bucks are in a hole, and they're they're the less talented team. While I still stand by my my third, well, fourth favorite NBA team behind <laughs> the Clippers, 76ers, and Heat. Um, I, I still see, what, what am I saying? I, see I Bucks, see how so. he put see how he put the Heat at number three right there. Yeah, that's that's a bad look for Miami. Now, I mean, God, your your pick for the finals and the winner of it, Kawhi's out for the series now, Jet. It's it's Paul George time. Stop. Playoff P. Stop. No. No. He hasn't shown up. He has not shown this, up. This is his ch- he's, he's had 30-plus points the last two games. Oh, my. Then, no. Because you know what? They're all focused on Kawhi because Kawhi is an assassin on the court. A silent assassin. Well, Paul George is about to prove me right these next couple of games. So. Oh my gosh, he may he may drop forty points. Doesn't mean they're going to win. True. We'll we'll have to see what happens. But I want to get into this next uh, hot topic if you're ready to move on. Absolutely. Let's. I mean, this is possibly the hottest thing to happen in MLB in the past ten years, maybe. I'm I'm very curious to also hear Tommy's perspective because obviously the composition of the ball that we use in college baseball is all a lot different than the composition in the MLB, but I'll first start off. You don't use any like stuff when you throw the ball, Tommy, right? Like any rosin Uh, or anything like that. Never have, never will. I don't even wear sunscreen when I go to the beach. So (laughs) he's clean (laughs) through and through. (laughs) Yeah. But in regards to the recent MLB mandate that came out, they are now saying that they're going to be suspending 
players for 10 games if they are found to be using any of the illegal substances like spider tack or bullfrog, which is a combination of sunscreen and rosin. Spider tack is actually used primarily for weightlifters to get a better grip on the, the weights. So, I mean, I personally think that the MLB coming out of this now is a little insane considering that pitchers going to have to get used to holding a ball differently. We recently saw Tyler Glass now come down with a UCL injury. He's um, saying that it has to do that. He was gripping the ball a little bit harder because he wasn't able to use his normal combination of sunscreen and rosin, which gave him a better grip. But Tommy, I want to hear what you think about is, do you think it's good or bad for the game? for pitchers to use some of these illegal substances that we've seen? Uh, personally, I think it's a bad thing for the game. I, I personally have zero sympathy for Tyler Glass now and other players that have come out about this, like Trevor Bowers come out with videos. Tyler Glass now came out and said that this this new rule is why he thinks he hurt his arm. It may very well could be the reason, but I do have to, I do have to say Tyler Glass now is 98 with control. And he was just 98 without control his last start against the Nationals. So I don't, I don't really understand his point of view. Kind of like pointing the blame is how I see what he's saying right now. What about you, Eric? Just to go over, I, I just want to say some of the big takeaways from the memo that was released was that pitchers are responsible even if their teammates load up the balls. Staff members will also be held responsible if a pitcher is caught. So let's say like a guy's coming out from the bullpen and he gets caught for it caught with it on somewhere on his hat, his arm, his glove, his his shirt, anywhere, the staff members in the bullpen are going to be held responsible in which they'll, they'll get some type of punishment. And then if caught, like you said, 10-game penalty, and the teams cannot replace the suspended players. So they would be playing with one less player on their roster. But the way I feel about it is that there should be some type of compromise that should be, of, that should be made between the players and owners in which... Maybe the only thing that should be allowed is rosin and a pine tar rag on the mound, which that would, I think, prevent players from going even farther and using other substances like you said, spider tact and sunscreen, since they're allowed to use pine tar. And if they then decide to keep, go further and use those other grip agents, then they need to have an even harsher punishment. Give them some leeway and stuff like that because it's been happening for the entire history of the MLB. So it's nothing new. I also don't like how they implemented this in the middle of the season. Like, that's not cool. Like, you do that in the offseason. It gives the pitchers actual time to adjust and change every change their their gripping on the ball and stuff like that since they don't have a gripping, gripping agent anymore. But... uh even though the memo was sent out and it's, they say they're going to start enforcing it, do you guys think that they will actually enforce it? I, I mean, I, I could see this as being a, uh, I could see this as being a situation where they try to make an example out of somebody, where they they take one of the more popular pitchers in the game, they punish him for it, and then that's it. They call it all off. They think everyone, they make the fans think everyone stops what they were doing with these illegal substances, and that'll be that for the game. I, that's that's my personal opinion. Well, some something interesting that I've I've noticed, and I was looking at some of some of uh, pitcher stats earlier, and like notable pitchers like Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer's spin rates have gone down since the start of June when they said they were planning on coming out with repercussions for using some of these illegal sticky substances. But the biggest problem I have with this 
is the MLB and Commissioner Rob Manfred, which I think is doing an awful job right now, wasn't able to hand down suspensions for the Houston Astros players that cheated, but is willing to suspend pitchers all of a sudden for cheating in the, in the same regard that the Astros did, which I really cannot wrap my head around. Yeah. Uh, was it Carlos Rodon from the White Sox that uh, came out and made that statement about I, how, I love that statement. How that was... he was, he said pretty much the same thing is that how are you going to now just suspend pitchers in the middle of the year without forewarning and not giving us a whole off season to adjust, but not, not willing to suspend any Astro players that cheated their way to a world series win. And the biggest thing is like, with these suspensions that these pitchers are going to be receiving, they're going to be suspended with pay. So it's not even like they're going to be losing any of the money they would be earning if they weren't suspended, which is. Yeah. And which, I mean, for starters, it's not, if they get suspended, it's not that big of a deal because I mean, it is, they would miss two starts essentially since they pitch every five days. It's more of a toll on the bullpen arms that would come in and stuff like that. Tommy, I want to just hear a little bit about, I know obviously you're a pitcher, what do you think uh, contributes to the most like for you to build your control um, when you're pitching on the mound? What, what do you try and focus on to establish that control? Uh, for me, the more I focus on control, the more it goes out the window. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I start thinking about how I'm holding the baseball, that's as soon as I start hitting guys towards the head and shoulder area. And I got guys all over the bases running bases on me because I just – as soon as I get in my own head thinking about where my fingers are, where I'm pointing my glove or anything like that, that's as soon as I lose all of my control. Well, an- another thing also is I don't know if you've ever had any issues with – I don't know if you're a, a big sweater or not or anything <laughs> like that, but a lot of players have said like when they when they begin to sweat a little too much, then obviously the ball gets a little bit slippery. I don't know if that has to do with the composition of the ball, which is then affecting their grip, but if you like – ever had an instance even when it's just you know it's just very hot out and it, you're, you're sweating and has it ever caused you to lose control of the baseball in any way it absolutely has but I mean what you can do is you obviously you have the liberty any pitcher has the liberty to step off throw the ball to the catcher grab a new baseball rub it down wipe it off on their on their pants or their shirt or whatever they have to do and sometimes what I'll do I'll even step off the mound dry my hands in the grass or in the clay and I'm good to go. I think that uh, that as an excuse for using illegal substances in a game is just is is not worthy of any excuse whatsoever. I don't know if you guys saw the video of Trevor Bauer, who mm-hmm. just took only rosin, which is completely legal, and only his own sweat, and he's holding a baseball defying gravity. Yes. I mean, so pitchers, pitchers can do whatever they want, essentially, anyways. It's just baseball is in a very tough, between a rock and a hard place right now this rule i feel like oh definitely that's a perfect way to say it but um let's go on and talk about a baseball team a specific team in your philadelphia phillies in which i mean my first question for you would have to be what are your thoughts on the phillies performance so far and uh where they where they're at in the standings in the nl east what are your what are your thoughts i think that for a top either five or six payroll they're wildly underperforming just like they have been the past three or four years. Uh, guys like Harper is underperforming. I mean, he had a good first year and I'm impressed. Gene Segura has been playing very well, but he's on and off the IL and Romito. We haven't been able to keep healthy at all since he's been with us, 
But as far as where we are right now in standings, I don't think anything matters in the NL East right now except first place because I don't, I don't see any wild card teams coming out of the National League unless it's the West at this point. And to go off of um, where the team is currently, they currently have the 10th worst bullpen ERA, and it seems that over the past few years the bullpen has continued to be an issue do you think this is something that needs to be addressed if they want to be able to compete for the top place in the division? I think it absolutely is something that needs to be addressed. And I think that the luxury tax that is so often talked about for Philadelphia Phillies fans just needs to be needs to be broken. We got to go over that. We got to pay for some players. We need some players on our team. I mean, last year we had the worst ERA for a team in the bullpen, I think, in history or real close to it. So... The only, I mean, the only silver lining right now for the Phillies, we played well in June. We had a really easy two-game sleep of the New York Yankees. Um, <laughs> that's all we, all we got going for us right now. Yeah, I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you don't think the Phillies are struggling, I mean, then the Yankees are absolutely struggling right now. I'm, uh, I think that the Phillies and Yankees should possibly do the same thing in which, at the moment, in which they got to stay at where they're at. Don't, don't try and go out and trade trade for players yet see where you're at near the trade deadline because i mean we're both teams uh for the phillies and the yankees but for the phillies they're playing around 500 ball at the moment and they haven't really shown the ability to compete for a title but they're also not in a rebuild mode so i think that they should be trading for some lower level players to make slight improvements of the team over for this year and for the following year too and get possibly some uh good young pitching depth that could be in the minors this year and come up next year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I would have to agree with you completely, and that's why I think that we're also the worst team in baseball as far as being set up for the future goes because over the past three or four years, we've been no more than two games off of just 500 baseball every single year. So we're, we're always that in-between team that doesn't know whether to buy or sell at the deadline, so we end up always making in-between moves, and we end up never making the playoffs and never getting the farm system going. So we're I think our stars are really need to step up and that's why we're losing games right now. One thing I wanted to um hit on was Zach Wheeler who's having a remarkable season, a career year. He has a 2.229 ERA right now, his best season to date. What are your thoughts on his performance so far this season? Uh, it's, it's actually awesome to watch him, especially being a pitcher myself. I love watching him. He goes out there and dominates just about every time out. And, uh, he, the day we're recording this Wednesday, he's playing against the Dodgers tonight. I think he'll have another identical, real good outing against a good hitting team. And I think this is kind of like a statement game for him. that can be an opportunity to, you know, solidify a spot on the all-star roster, maybe even, you know, be one of the best National League pitchers in the league. I do want to go back though. To one of the first episodes I watched of It's Game Time podcast, a quote from Eric, he he said that Zach Wheeler is just not the player he was at the Mets. And I've never I've never even heard such such a bad <laughs> statement in my life as, as with the Mets, he had a ERA right around four his whole entire career. And now he's in the low twos. I, I got a question. What what is that? I mean what is I, that talk on the <laughs> I mean, I, I I didn't take I didn't do a lot of uh, research into it, so I, I obviously he's definitely proven me proven me wrong and stuff like that. I just I thought 
that since the Mets let him go, and since the Mets always seem to have great a great pit, uh, starting pitching staff, there obviously might have been something uh, an issue with him, probably some type yeah. of mechanics or something like that. But he's obviously he's blown the water of expectations from me and stuff like that. So I got to give it to him. Far from my expectations, he's a lot better in Philly, and he and I hope he keeps continuing to be one of the best pitchers in the NL for the over over under uh, 3.0 ERA. By the end of the season, I'm taking the under 100%. What is he at right now? 2.29 right now. Oh, I'll take the under. I'll definitely take I the agree. under. My last question for you, Tommy, is uh, where do you see the Phillies ending up this series? I think I think they're going to finish in third place in the division, but be out of the wild card race. Over under 87 wins for the season. I'm taking I'm taking the under because we've just never proven that we can get hot. We ever since we've had this. This core team that we have right now, we've had for three, almost four years, and they've just never proven that they can go on a nice 10 to 12 win streak. Like, they, they just haven't proven that, so I'm taking the under, even though it pains me to say. My final question before we move on to the Colts is, is there one thing that you need to see from the Phillies in order for them to win the division? Uh, I need to see, I need to see better coaching, and I need to see better management of the bullpen. Because, I mean, we have we have guys in that bullpen that that are great pitchers that are just being thrown to the wrong role. Like Hector Neris, he's got an ERA below three, even though he continues to go out and blow saves. He just – that's not his role, clearly, and that should just be – should be known for the manager. He needs to know that this guy can come in the seventh inning and get you a nice scoreless inning. But when he comes into those huge pressure situations, he's not going to perform. Okay, so moving on to your Colts now – um, as a Colts fan, what are your thoughts on the Julio Jones trade? Um, I think definitely it's worrisome, even though he's he's getting older and he's becoming a little bit more prone to injuries. I think it's worrisome just especially because you've had our biggest hole on our team last year, I'd say, was our secondary. And it, it was getting attacked. Like Rocky Sin was getting hit hard, I know, in the playoffs, uh, especially against the Bills. He was giving up quite a few yards to – Receivers like Gabe Davis, even though Josh Allen had a great game and was putting balls right on the money, I think that he could have been covered much better than he was and maybe had to force a throw and it could have caused some bad passes instead of great ones. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to, the matchups between the Colts and the Titans are now going to be must watch TV because of how good the yeah. Colts' defense is and how good this mm -hmm. Titans' offense was last year and how much better they could be with Julio Jones. I think the, the struggle is that I think the Colts will try to initially stop the run against Henry, uh, but then put mm. end up putting less focus on Julio and Brown. Uh, I think that the game plan for the Colts is going to be make Tannehill beat you, not Henry, not Julio, and not Brown. I mean, I think that's the clear path yeah. game plan that the Colts have to do when facing the Titans. I would oh. absolutely agree with that. Going saying? off of um, the receiver room, since the obviously the Colts didn't acquire Julio Jones, I think we can all agree that T.Y. Hilton's probably the number one receiver on the team, and then behind him is a big question. Do you think um, Michael Pittman or Paris Camp will have the chance to emerge as the clear number two option in that offense receiving-wise? Uh, I, I think I think Pittman is going to emerge as the clear number two. He might even take number one this year. He's just he's a big body receiver, and I know Carson Wentz likes big body receivers like uh, Zacherts in the past. 
Uh, Michael Pittman, he kind of has the same, like a similar build to Julio. So I think he could possibly fill that role for us anyways. I knew we weren't going to go out for Julio just due to the nature of we never really go out for big players like that. But I, I think that Michael Pittman's definitely going to take the number two spot in this offense. And you mentioned Carson Wentz. Uh, what are your feelings about the Colts acquiring him in the trade? Uh, Carson Wentz is I, – I really, I really don't know with him. He's – definitely proven himself and he's definitely disproven himself all at the same time in his career i my my bold take earlier on when the trade rumors were going around was if we couldn't get stafford i wanted to either draft a player or i wanted um the jets sam darnold, jets darnold. yeah i wanted darnold uh over over Wentz. wow but then i i right now i'm i'm just happy with Wentz, and i'm hoping that he can take us to a to a deep playoff run at least in his first year with the roster that he has around the Colts, and if he plays like he did before yeah. before he got injured and stuff like that and ended up getting a bad rap at Philly, which I think he did, I think he can be a Pro Bowl-level QB for them. And if he plays at a Pro Bowl, I definitely see the Colts winning the division and possibly winning a wild card game. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take it a step further. I think Carson Wentz is going to play pretty close to his MVP season. That's, I could, that's how good of a situation he's in with, you know, Jonathan Taylor at running back, Hilton, Pittman, Campbell is receiving options. But I want to touch a little bit on Jonathan Taylor because I have discussed off, uh, off camera and off, off recording uh, what Tommy thinks about Jonathan Taylor. He has he thinks pretty highly of him. Tommy, want to tell everybody where you rank Jonathan Taylor about among running backs in the NFL? Well, you can say what you want about McCaffrey being out last year, and same with Saquon. Either way, Jonathan Taylor, after being a platoon player for like the first five, six, seven weeks of the season, ended up being the third leading rusher in the league, only behind Henry and Cook. I, I would have to say he'd be in the top five, maybe top three category again as far as rushing goes in the league. Tommy, I completely I I completely will agree with you on that because I think that Wentz and Taylor are gonna be the next great QB running back duo. I do. I absolutely do. I think it it's gonna become that duo is gonna become extremely deadly and that, that combo will will end up having the most combined touchdowns between the two of them on the team, more than T.Y. Hilton, more than Michael Pittman. I think it's going to be him and Taylor. Hold on here, guys. Let, let, me just, let me just say something here. These are the following running backs i rather have over Jonathan Taylor right now, okay? Oh McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Chubb, Kamara, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, mm. and even Austin Eckler. That, that is clearly who i rather have over Jonathan Taylor right now. I would – it's – McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Cook, Kamara, Chubb. Uh, I, I, if Saquon was healthy, I would put Saquon. But I mean, I'm a Giants fan, and I just don't know how he's going to come back. They may even take a while for him to come back. Uh, I don't think I would put Chubb. It, it's close between those two for me. What do you think, Tommy? I think that you named a whole lot of guys that are prone to injuries and a whole <laughs> lot of guys that don't have as good of an O-line as the Colts do. Well, I mean, every running back is going to experience some sort of injury throughout it. Not, not, not saying that we want that to happen, but it's just the nature of the game and the nature of the position in the NFL. It absolutely is. But I just think Jonathan Taylor, he's younger and he's, I mean, he didn't even get shaken up at all last season. So I think he's, he's very well protected as far as the offensive scheme goes. 
And also, like, he doesn't see a lot of passes over the middle that he gets popped on. He's he's more of a downhill runner and he's been a, you know, go out for a five-yard, get popped by some safety type of play. Uh, Tommy, my last question for you is, do you have any extremely early predictions for the Colts this coming season? If I had to take an early prediction for the Colts, I'd, I would just say that they're going to have another 12-win, 12 13-win season, even with the – now that it's now that it's seventeen games, I, I'd give them thirteen wins. We did get hosed a little bit. That our our added game was against the Bucks, so that's that's not going to be an extra easy win. But I think we'll win twelve to thirteen games. Okay. I have a, a few rapid fire questions for you, Tommy, and then we'll get on to trivia. Shoot me. All right. Over or under ten interceptions for Carson Wentz. I'm taking the over. Honestly. Okay. Over or under seventeen total touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor over more likely to win a title first the phillies or the colts (laughs) absolutely the colts (laughs) (laughs) more likely to win an mvp the next three years carson wentz or bryce harper wow i'm taking i'm taking harper and final one who do you think is a better coach joe girardi or frank reich frank reich by a million miles i like to have uh joe back for the yankees though I'd rather have the Joe back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jet, we ready? It's trivia time. We're back for third edition of trivia time between Tommy and Eric. We have some Colts trivia. We put it, we threw in some Giants for, you know, Eric's sake, some Phillies, some Yankees, some NFL stats. And then I I also have a question personalized to each of you about uh, Eric's senior year of high school baseball and Tommy's past season in college baseball. So see see how you guys both do. And hopefully, well, ho- I don't really care, but maybe Eric <laughs> can get on the board. <laughs> hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> All right. So the questions are a combination of multiple choice. Um, and then there's one short answer. And then there's one tiebreaker question. If needed, that'll closest to the number that I have chosen. Sound good? Yes. Good. All right. Question number one. The Colts and Giants have met a total of 19 times. Who has the edge in that series? I'm going with the Colts. I was also going to take the Colts. All right. One point for both of you. For question two. The Yankees defeated the Phillies in the 2009 World Series. Who led both teams in home runs throughout the series? Was it A, Alex Rodriguez and Ryan Howard? B, Mark Teixeira and Jason Wirth? C, Hideki Matsui and Chase Utley? Or D, Derek Jeter and Raul Abanez? I'm going Alex Rodriguez and Ryan Howard. I'll take Teixeira and Wirth. It's actually Hideki Matsui and Chase Utley. Oh, Hideki wow. Matsui had three and Chase Utley had five. Oh, man. A-Rod had one. Ryan Howard had one. Teixeira had one. And Jason Worth had two. I knew Jeter was not. There's no chance Jeter was leading the team in home runs in that series. All right. So the score is one to one. On to question number three. There have been two NFL rookie running backs who have finished a season with at least 1,100 rush yards, at least five yards per carry, at least 10 rushing touchdowns, and at least 35 receptions. Jonathan Taylor is one of those running backs. 
who is the other? Is it A, Saquon Barkley, B, Adrian Peterson, C, LaDainian Tomlinson, or D, Barry Sanders? Oh, those are so tough to choose from. Um, uh, give me AP. Oh, damn. Just for the sake of making sure it stays even, I'm going to go AP. And I actually wanted to guess AP. The correct answer is actually Saquon Barkley. Wow. Let's go, Saquon. Adrian Peterson, Daniel and Thomas, and Barry Sanders have achieved that, but none of them has have achieved them as a rookie, like oh, okay. Saquon and Jonathan Taylor both have. Still- Question number four with the score tied still one to one. Which of these MLB players did not play for both the Yankees and Phillies? Is it A, J. Happ, B, Raul Abanez, C, David Robertson, or D, Jim Tomey? I'm going J. Happ. Tell me. The correct answer is Jim Tomey. He only played oh. for the Phillies in 2012. Jay Happ played for the Yankees between 2018 and 2020. Oh, what? Oh, and wait. the Phillies between 2007 and 2010. Oh, point my for Tommy. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, baby. Uh, two right. to one. <laughs> so, this, so this question five has two parts. Part one will just be directed at Eric answering. And part two will be for Tommy to answer. All right, Eric, what was Tommy's ERA combined in all inter-squads and in games this past season? Is it A, 2.75, B, 3.75, C, 1.75, or D, 4.75? I'm going 2.75. That is correct. Great job. Yes. Eric. All right, Tommy. What was Eric's batting average in his senior year of high school? Was it A, 276, B, 362, C, 201, or D, 302? I'll take 276. The actual answer is D, 302. We have a tie game, and the tiebreaker question is going to be in effect. Oh, this is where I lost last last time. All right. So this, this might take some uh, calculations, but... When you have the answer, if you can both, just text me your answer as soon as I say the question. If you have any questions about any of the numbers, just let me know. How many combined home runs do the Yankees and Phillies have to date in this MLB season? This is closest to the number. Um, if you need any, uh, I'll give you this. The league average is 76. The Blue Jays have the most with 100, and the Pirates have the least with 47. Okay, um, I'm going to go... I sent it to you. I sent it to. Wow. Um, Did we guess it the same again? Well, uh, not only the you guessed the same answer, it's actually the correct answer. <laughs> well, one, one forty-five is the correct answer. The Yankees eighty home runs and the Phillies sixty-five home runs. Oh Let's my see. gosh. Let's see. Uh, I got. I got to think of another question here. Uh, let's, okay. Oh, that's great. Right, let's let's see. Let's see if you can remember some of the um, answers, choices that I've given you in the past uh, few questions. Okay. Going back to that question about the Yankees and Phillies in the 2009 World Series, when I asked you who led both teams in home runs throughout the series, how many home runs did I say that? Ryan Howard had. I know. One. One. That's correct. What about 
Raul Abanez. One. Two. The correct answer is one. Let's Congratulations, go. Eric. You are officially on the board and have won your first It's Trivia Time competition. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. I would like to thank my family, my friends, everyone that su supported me through this difficult uh, trial. But I finally made it. Finally got a dub. That was that was a great competition. I'm really uh, that was great. You both got you both guessed the same tiebreaker answer at 145. That was very funny. But uh, God, I'm gonna have to deal with my trivia tiebreaker questions going forward because I can't let you get the correct answer like that. <laughs> but yeah, guys, that was the episode in which this was episode what was it episode seven seven episode we seven seven episodes seven episodes guys seven episodes of it's game time tommy we want to thank you again for being able to come on uh you got anything to say oh uh, yeah just thanks for having me it's a pleasure being on the show hopefully we can do it again sometime i had a lot of fun and uh yeah thank you tommy for coming on we really enjoyed having you on and we would love to have you on again also, to everyone listening, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at itsgametime underscore podcast. Send it to your friends. Send it to your family. And just keep listening because we're going to keep providing you great, great content going forward. So stay tuned. Yeah, in which that, again, was episode seven of It's Game Time. We hope you enjoyed, in which we'll be back again next Friday. Peace out. <laughs>